This is football. We just saw one of the worst things that's ever happened in football. Um, okay, so Aaron Rodgers' Jets career lasted 75 seconds after one of the most emotionally loaded nights in the history of the New York Jets franchise. Maybe it's number one. Um, I put it out on Twitter on Monday night as soon as it happened. What's the worst and bleakest a franchise has ever felt, not counting crimes, life-altering injuries, or teams moving? Okay? And... I got a bunch of candidates that were good and some not so good. I'll get to that, get to that in a second. Uh, I settled on Gary Anderson's kick that lost the Vikings, the NFC title game. The Brett Favre pick that lost the Vikings, the NFC title game. See a pattern? Uh, 28 to 3 was awful. And then a couple other ones. Carson Palmer getting injured against uh, against Pittsburgh, Kimo Van Alhoffen. Those sort of injuries that just take the air out of a franchise. Michael Vick's. Broken leg in the preseason at the height of Vic Mania. Those are our franchise altering games. Um, they change how fans view the damn sport. They make people wander around in the streets with their heads down and contemplating life in silence. Um, the Jets can't make fans who've suffered through so much suffer more by watching Zach Wilson. It cannot happen. I saw the comments on, Sun on Monday night where Robert Salas said, yep, Zach's the guy. They doubled down on that on Tuesday, which is when we're recording right now. This can't possibly happen. And we just have to think about the psyche of Jets fans in the first place. Now I'll give you a great example. There were people who tweeted at me and said, hey, uh, Tom Brady, 08, was as bad an injury as some of these other guys. They would won multiple Super Bowls, okay? Somebody tweeted at me, oh, what about Gordon Hayward with the Celtics? Please take this seriously. Take this exercise seriously. Don't give me Gordon Hayward, okay? Um, Jets fans have been in the wilderness for 40 years since Super Bowl three. Do you know how many Super Bowls there have been? Jets, looking back at number three. That's what they've had. They've drafted Sam Darnold. They've drafted Zach Wilson. They've just, they've had Joe Flacco starting. They had Mark Sanchez doing whatever Mark Sanchez did for a while. Um, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, by the way, is going to be on the show a little bit later. So is Dan Marino. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick would be upset at me saying Marino was a better quarterback than Fitzpatrick, but it's two, two good quarterbacks. Okay. So the Jets have been through, through so much as a fan base. And you cannot put them through more. This roster is ready to win now. Uh, Dalvin Cook signed to play with someone like Aaron Rodgers, not Dak Wilson. And not, by the way, if they go out and sign Joe Flacco or Brett Rippon. I saw, saw that out there. By the way, Russell Wilson knows the hack at offense. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, you can't have that defense, again, play with Zach Wilson. Everybody's like, well, maybe the, the, the floor will be higher. They will not be higher. We literally, literally just saw this. We saw this entire season play out in front of us. And it was the defense being as fast and good as you can possibly be. And a quarterback who won't date at all. That's what we have now. The jets. I don't care if they have to mortgage their future. I don't care what kind of draft capital or salary cap hell they have to end up in. Um, they have to make a move. I'd be calling before, and I'm going to go through a list here. First of all, if you don't think Chase Daniel is going to find a way to make a few million dollars off of this, you do not know Chase Daniel. Number two, 
I would call every old quarterback that's sitting at home right now is played in an elite level. I would call Tom Brady. I don't care if it's illegal because he owns the Raiders. I would call and make him say no. Okay. I would call Philip Rivers. He's got a bunch of kids down there in Alabama. He's coaching high school football. Last, last thing I saw. But you know what? He's also said basically that if he gets the right call, he'd come back. Maybe this is the right call. Um, I already mentioned Flacco. That's not, that's, that's way down the list. I would try to trade for Ryan Tannehill. That'd be my first option. Ryan Tannehill is really good. And I'm sorry, really good in relation to the other names we're throwing out here and pretty good in relation to the rest of the NFL quarterbacks. Uh, I would not necessarily go to Jameis Winston until I had to, but I would go to Jameis Winston at some point. I'd group all of those guys, Gardner Minshew, Andy Dalton, all those fellas uh, in the, if you have to do it, I do it category, but you got to swing big, call any quarterback, basically, unless it's Mahomes or Allen, or four or five other guys call everybody, everybody try to, I mean, the lions can't do it, but some, you know, there's a bunch of franchises that have quarterbacks who they say might be expendable. If you get enough draft capital scour the world. Don't even think if you want to lie and say Zach is the guy, go ahead. But it has to be a lie. It cannot be real. Please don't make it real. I'm not even a Jets fan. I know Jets fans. Jets fans are important to me. But this is not why I'm saying it. I just know the psyche of Jets fans cannot handle another season like last year after the emotional lift of Aaron Rodgers. And coming here, Joe Douglas on stage with Boomer Esiason and saying he's coming and everybody getting excited. Everybody buying the eight, the eight jersey, which after 75 seconds became... One of the most ironic things to wear in the history of jerseys, because I do not think Aaron Rodgers is going to want a long rehab process and come back in 18 months or whenever it is. So do not make Jets fans do this. They've suffered enough. Do not make them suffer, Zach Wilson. We will be back with Ryan Fitzpatrick after a break. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050. 
or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Ryan Fitzpatrick is here with Jameson. He's wearing a nice little hat. Um, you used to dress like Conor McGregor for your Irish Look here, Ryan, what happened? <laughs> uh, you know, I've I really matured over the years. I really have. So, um, now, I, I, you know, I actually have a couple of these caps, so it's nice to be able to, to be able to put one on and put it to good use. I love it. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. We'll start here. Week one, uh, a couple of teams and quarterbacks in what I would say is a crisis mode, like Justin Fields apologized to teammates and fans. Uh, Daniel Jones obviously down in the dumps. And I'm curious, as someone who's gone through it before, your process for getting over a bad game was what? Like you throw a bunch of interceptions and you say, okay, we got to put this in the past. What is that like? Well, I've had a lot of experience with it, being down in the dumps <laughs> for one week and coming back. And, um, you know, part of it is you're – you want to get Monday over with. I mean, Monday you're reviewing the film. It's like a morgue in the building. I mean, <laughs> nobody, nobody's looking at you. Nobody yeah. wants to talk to you. Tuesday you get in, you start diving into that next team and looking at the film. And then Wednesday, there's no time to think about it because the next opponent's not going to feel sorry for you. You get a, a whole new fresh week to, to do it again. And so I think that's a really important part of playing quarterback, being able to put it behind you. But then having that next game, having it come up so quickly, uh, you get excited and pour everything into that. That being said, it almost puts more pressure on you the next week. I mean, yep. there's a lot of pressure on you as a quarterback, but you know, for Daniel Jones or for Joe Burrow, like guys that didn't perform well in week one, 
there's that added pressure that they go out, got to go out and do it in week two. Ryan Tannehill's in the same boat, yeah. right? So um, it, it's hard. It's 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 hard, but you have to leave it behind and treat it like a new week. Tua had some of his best throws ever yesterday, and it, it, it was unbelievable to see. And it's been an unbelievable story over the past, I guess you call it, thirteen months. Um, seeing him up close, obviously, in a weird time for his career when Brian Flores was the head coach, you were the starter at points in that, that season. He's gotten better at what? I think confidence has been a big thing with him. And I just think you've seen, everybody sees a little more of his personality too yeah. coming out. So just being more comfortable being in the NFL, uh, being the face of a franchise. And you know, he's a guy that's had a lot on his plate from high school to college at Alabama and, and now to being, you know, a, a top five pick, but he is the face of this franchise and they've done such an unbelievable job. It was talked about a lot last year with Mike McDaniel coming in and just instilling confidence into a, but they're showing it too. I mean, they're surrounding him with great weapons. It's a catch and run offense, which is what Tua is going to thrive in because he yep. can throw with anticipation because, you know, he's going to put the ball out there accurately um, and what's not being talked about enough, I think, is new ink. I mean, he's got, he's got a new <laughs> tattoo, um, which I'm sure, you know, he's drawn strength from and feels a little extra swag with that. But uh, it's it's nice to be throwing balls to Tyreek and Waddle, I'll tell you that much. When you mentioned the confidence thing, that comes to different people at different points, at different levels of football. You had a, probably had a ton of confidence in Alabama, probably a ton of confidence in high school. We got to the NFL level. Was the lack of confidence because he was feeling, kind of feeling things out for a little bit? Was it because of Brian Flores? Was it because of the offense? Like, where, where did the lack of confidence come from, you think? Well, I just think you're trying to figure it out. You're, it's, you're all of a sudden at a new level, um, and you're just trying to feel and figure things out. You know, he came into a situation where I started the first, I think, six games of that yep. year. So they kind of eased him into it a little bit. Uh and then he got thrown in there and, you know, right away we won some games, but he didn't necessarily have some great performances and you just start, you know, playing those games in your head. Uh, and it's just to be able for him to hit reset and to get a new coach last year, an entirely new offense and the one that really fits his, his talent. Um, it, it's been nice for him, but he's also big life events, you know, married kids, lots of stuff going on to where he's, He's really matured in the last, you know, three or four years. Uh, and I, I think it's showing just in his overall confidence as well. With Joe Burrow, so he and I talked maybe two years ago, and he talked he was coming off the ACL and he's talking about his training camp problems. And I've told listeners have heard this story a million times, but I think the thing is interesting insight. He basically said that when he comes back onto a football field, like anybody, his vision is a superpower. And he sees 21 guys and his vision is just not sharp. And and I'm curious. Just week one in general. There's not even a Joe Burrow thing. Like, it feels like you're playing preseason, you're playing in training camp, and then the game speeds up so much. Is it actually an adjustment every single year for you know, whether or not you had training camp or not? Um, is it actually like a, a, a deep end of the pool thing every week one, or by the time you're three, four years into it, is are you kind of up to speed? Well, I, I mean, part of that too is, I mean, we've got like bubble wrap around us, right? So you're not getting hit at all in the off season. You're not getting hit through training camp. You're not getting hit uh, in those joint practices. So it is a little bit of a difference just to just to go take your first hit or first couple hits. But you know, part of it for him too, the weather wasn't great. So right. some of those you, you saw it. I mean, some of the fifty fifty balls that he's throwing up to Jamar and the T, 
they're just not coming down with they're a little bit off and the weather makes that even more difficult even though they're really good at it but i will say with burrow like he's such a stone cold killer like (laughs) that dude it doesn't matter i mean you saw it last year he came out and struggled versus pittsburgh right had all the turnovers and then all of a sudden uh you know had the season that he did so i don't think anybody's worried about him um it's interesting though looking at those first the openers in the last few years the fact that he hasn't played very well uh, maybe there is something to that at least mentally for him yeah totally i mean and, and it's interesting especially he loves getting five guys into a route scanning the field all of that stuff it just feels like maybe and also by the way last year you had the emergence of basically teams taking away the deep ball the cover two stuff putting a lid on the defense and he had to adjust to that over the course of september i think he's going to be fine but it's just certainly something um something to watch um all right Let's uh, let's talk about your your uh, your your life after football because I think it was interesting. Obviously, you're a uh, I guess you're a are you an official member of Bills Mafia at this point, Ryan? Uh, you know, I think because I'm part of the origin story, I've always yeah. I've always been uh, part of Bills Mafia. Yes. One thing guys like you have a lot of interest, a lot of curiosities when they retire and they have free weekends is they get to do whatever they want to do, whether that's go to a game, whatever, obviously you're on Thursday nights with Amazon. We can go anywhere in the world. Are there bucket list things where you're like, all right, I've got time. It's year two out of the league. Like, this is what I want to go do. I want to sit in the stands and do X, Y, Z. I want to tailgate X, Y, Z. What's on the bucket list for football for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, I, I think part of that with me, uh, my kids are involved in that too, right? So my, my two oldest boys now are 16 and 14. And so for me to have the availability to do some of these things, um, you know, and one of the things maybe you're alluding to the last few years, we've gone to a Bill's home playoff game. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it, it just the first year we kind of got there right at game time, sat in the stands. That was the game versus New England where they scored seven straight touchdowns. It was just yep. so cool. Then last year we got there early. We were able to do the tailgate. We were able to knock it off. Um, and the boys are just, I mean, their eyes were so wide open the whole time. Some (laughs) of the things they, uh, saw and learned and some of the new words and, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah, I I think, I think part of it for me, football has given me such a great life. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to where my kids have been old enough. Even my daughters have been old enough to remember some of these experiences and to be part yeah. of them, to be brought into the locker room after the game. Um, that I, I just want to make sure that, um, you know, a, I'm, I'm paying it forward to the game, but B I'm just making sure that these, my kids are enjoying some of these experiences with me. You were in so many different places. Uh, do you have a connection to every place you were in? Is, is Buffalo a special place? Do you think about Cincinnati? Like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sure you had life milestones in Cincinnati too, but like, is it, did you see such a difference in the fan bases and how they embraced you that you now uh, maybe think about them differently? Yeah, I mean, Buffalo was, I was there for four years, so it was the longest right. stint of my career. I think else was one or two. Um, we pretty much had a kid in every city too. So, you know, St. Louis <laughs> is fond memories because we had a kid in St. Louis, our first one, Cincinnati because we had a kid in Cincinnati, but Buffalo was where I was the longest. Uh, it's where I clicked with the fan base the best, even though there's other great fan bases too. Um, and it was the first time that I became a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, and so I think that along with, uh, you know, the street hockey that we played with, with my neighbors and the amount of uh, beverages and things that we had, it just – uh, it was such a great time in my life. Uh, and again, we, we had a kid in Buffalo too. So, um, 
but I just, I, I had so much fun over the course of my career. And every year we moved, we tried to dive in to really embrace the community and the team and be a part of it, whether it was for one year, two or four. And uh, I, I think fans really felt that as I moved from place to place. Let's delve in quickly to the beverages part. Was that post-game beers where we're going out to get some wings afterwards? Like, what was that, that kind of, I wouldn't call it <laughs> no, nightlife because it's not nightclubs, but no, it just seems like know, it's a good place to hang out and have a beer. Yeah, and and not like the bills of today. We had a lot of 1 p.m. games, uh, so there wasn't, a, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of prime time. Uh, so, you know, for, for every home game, we would do what was called Crockpot Sunday. And all of the neighbors, we'd all hang out in the front yard. Everybody would throw the crock pot on in the morning, go to the game. Uh, we would come home after the game. Sometimes I'd be uh, a little more bruised than other times, but we'd play street hockey with the kids out front and kind of all bring our crock pots out and just have a big pot left with all the neighbors. So uh, that was usually what it consisted of. That sounds lovely. Um, all right, great. we do something called Statue of Limitations Theater where you can tell a story that you weren't able to during your playing career for whatever reason. Maybe it was uh, gotten a tiff with the coach, whatever, but normally we want it to be funny or or not. It could be just crazy. Um, a couple questions for you within that genre. First, what was the weirdest thing about playing for the Dan Snyder Commanders? Uh, you know, it was it was such a short-lived yeah. time that it was, it was tough. But I, I was there, you know, I got, I got hurt, I think, 13 plays into my career there. So yep. I, I hurt my hip, was out for the season. Um, but that was also – so I, I didn't have a ton of time around the building. And part of the reason why is because that was also the year the DEA raided the facility and took out a couple of the trainers. Um, so I didn't really have anybody to rehab me, so I had to look elsewhere. That was kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, I don't mean to laugh. That's a very serious thing, um, but it is unique to, I would say, to that franchise. Um, were you in the building when they raided it? No, they waited till okay. everybody was out of the building. Okay. So you just literally had to go out and find, like, were you able to find, like, what was the process to be like, okay, we have to go find a trainer? Yeah, I uh, just talked to some former players that had been in that area and things maybe that they had gone through and different experiences and, yeah, was able to find somewhere else to do my rehab. What is the... Funniest, strangest, weirdest, most memorable thing anybody's ever said to you on a football field, whether it was trash talk or not. Oh, uh, these are, I mean, these are always hard questions because, you know, I've, I mean, I mean, people have told me, you know, they're going to eat my children. And I don't know, I mean, some, <laughs> of those, some of those defensive linemen are just pretty wacky guys, you know. So just try to say the worst thing you can think of, basically. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, what? No, they're very nice. I, I I promise, they're nice kids. Don't eat them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, weird, weird trash talk sometimes. Um, what's the? I don't mean to make light of it. What's the the worst turnover you had in your career? Just where you're just like, come on, how did I do that? Uh, I mean, I had a game when I was on the jets in 2016 went through six interceptions versus Kansas city. So I can proudly say that I'm the only quarterback in NFL history that has had a game where he's thrown zero touchdowns and six interceptions and one where he's thrown six touchdowns and zero interceptions. So it kind of just was a, uh, you know, a roller coaster ride, much like a lot of my career. How do you like after in the locker room after a six interception game, like does anybody even come up and talk to you? Yeah, Brandon Marshall talked to me. Uh, you know, a couple guys 
probably gave me weird looks, but uh, Wait, yeah, was Marshall just, like supportive? Oh, he was always well. He, oh, yeah, he was, he was the best most of the time. You know, most of the time, okay. B Marsh is the best. But yeah, you just you know, games like that happen, and you move on. And you saw yeah. it. Uh, you know, we we even alluded to some of them that happened. You know, this Sunday, uh, yeah. you saw it. You move on. Luckily, you get another week to go out and prove yourself. Uh, last thing before we get to Jamison, uh, I was surprised in doing all my research here. How many blogs, columnists, whomever have said, "Oh, this team needs a quarterback." I'm talking about last year. We got we got to call Ryan Fitzpatrick. I saw it with Niners fans last year. All this stuff. You are 40 years old. Do you take a call if a coach calls right now? No, I'm uh, perfectly content in uh, retired life and the things I'm doing now. Um, I did like my my hip injury was not the greatest my last right. year so I, I do i don't even know if uh that would be a possibility physically but yeah i've got i've got no interest i really enjoy uh watching the game now and being able to talk about it love it tell us what we're doing with jameson well jameson and i are unofficially trying to bring a pro football game to dublin ireland beautiful it, i i've played in london uh i thought it was great it worked growing this thing internationally obviously germany we've had a few games now or we've, we've had one in munich and have some in frankfurt mexico city but i just want to help steer everybody in the right direction and if we're looking for another city internationally of course why not dublin <laughs> uh, so uh what basically uh jameson we're trying to get some people behind this i think they enjoyed that my last name was fitzpatrick and really fit in with that irish spirit um, jamesonsports.com you can go on it you can learn a little bit more about it and if we can get this movement to un- to officially get a game in Dublin uh, by the beginning of next football season they'll be flying fans out there and all kinds of stuff so we've got some fun stuff in store with Jameson and uh, it- it's been a fun partnership I love it. Ryan Fitzpatrick, thanks for coming on. By the way, we have to shout him out. He is the reason, this was going around Twitter yesterday, the reason that Joe Burrow's in Cincinnati because of that failed two-point conversion. But I'm also so. the reason that two is in Miami. So, You are the most influential man in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All right, see ya. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Quick one. Uh, I'm obsessed with the Broncos. I think Sean Payton's going to fix the Broncos. I'm becoming increasingly discouraged he's ever going to fix Russell Wilson. Um, Big stat I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, Russell Wilson's 
decrease in passer rating last year was essentially uh, the biggest since the merger for a player joining a new team. Matt Castle is up there. Alex Smith is up there. Uh, normally, there's not a huge recovery when that happens. Uh, first game on Sunday, Russell Wilson was bad. Didn't have 200 yards, getting the stats up here. In the air, in the air, his intended air yards per attempt goes from 8.8 .8 last year to 4. Okay. At one point in his career, including 2021, that hovered around 10. So, by the way, per completion, it was 3.7 in the air. So he was it was all dink and dunk. This tells me that Sean Payton doesn't necessarily think Russell Wilson can return to what he was. And in some ways, that, that can be a good thing. You understand why you have a quarterback and you start making plans to build something else and not obviously you have to go through the quarterback position, but like at one point, whether that was Taysom Hill, whether that was Jameis Winston, like Sean Payton's winning percentage without Drew Brees in New Orleans was pretty high, um, especially before that last season. And so I think they'll all row in the right direction at some point. I think that Sean Payton is really good at honesty, putting guys in roles that, that will help them thrive. Um, increasing the talent level, increasing the conditioning, doing all the things that Nathan Hackett couldn't. So this will eventually happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. And maybe this is, maybe this is only a hot take to me. Cause at one point I had some optimism about Sean Payton fixing Russell Wilson. It's not going to happen with Wilson or it's going to take weeks and weeks and weeks. It might, and if it takes a year, guess what? Sean Payton isn't going to have Russell Wilson stick around for that. So it seems to me like Sean Payton knows what he has. And that's a team that can't rely on Russell Wilson to throw the ball down the field. All right, let's get to Dan Marino. All right, Dan Marino is here. He needs no introduction. He's here with Frito-Lay and PepsiCo. Dan, what's going on, brother? Everything's good, Kevin. Thanks, man. Just uh, doing some things for uh, Pepsi and Frito-Lay for the commercial we did, the unretired commercial, which was a lot of fun. I had a great time doing it, getting a lot of great responses from friends and people that, that it was hilarious, which I think it was. And <laughs> Hanging out with, uh, you know, with Jerry and Randy and Emmett Smith and those guys that do the commercial and all the people involved. It was uh, it was special. And you could see it. You could see it come through in the commercial. I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about football. What about Sunday? Tyreek Hill shouted you out after the game on Sunday. He said you were a big part of it because you told him uh, during training camp in a conversation that the receivers and the quarterbacks need to watch film together, all get on the same page. Um, was that something you did in your career? And and where does it show up as far as chemistry goes, Dan? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of that too, personally, is 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 something that I always did as a player. I felt right. like communication is is a big deal. And and they were already doing some of that. I just, you know, felt like it was an emphasis on, you know, it's important. And, you know, those guys, they do that all the time. And uh, Tyreek just, you know, mentioned it. And, uh, yeah, it was good for my ego that he mentioned it. <laughs> but uh, he, he is an incredible player. Yeah. And uh, that's part of, uh, you know, what you do is, is uh, uh, you know, as a quarterback, receiver, offensive lineman, all that, the, that relationship, the communication is so important. So, you know, that's why, you know, I think that I had a lot of success when I played because, you know, a lot of our guys were on the same page. You had a lot of success. I mean, that that's obviously, you just mentioned it, but man, this Mike McDaniel offense, would you like to get some reps in that? Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 yep. what makes it special? 
Well, <clears throat> I think that uh, the Dolphins' uh, offense is uh, well. How, how would I say it? Uh, it's a variety of things that you, right. you know that the defense has to deal with, and uh, that's what makes it special, and especially Mike. Mike's always done. I, I think he's a great coach, and enjoy what he's doing. Yeah, um, I think people because the Dolphins have been down since you left. Basically, there've been some spikes. Obviously, you have the uh, the Tony Sperano year. You have one year with Adam Gase. You have a little bit last year, but like it has not been what it was. And I grew up in Florida. Um, I know what kind of football town that can be. Um, take me back and just tell me, like, what what was the apex for you as far as Miami being a football town? Obviously, you had the, the game in 85 against Chicago that everybody still talks about. But like when Miami is rolling as a football town, it looks like what, Dan? Well, I think that the 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 real deal is that the fans are so dedicated to, yeah. to the Dolphins and and uh, backing the team. And uh, there's there's so many, you know, fans that just just love it. You know, that's yeah. that's the main thing. And I think, you know, in the early 80s, you know, we're going way back, way back for, you know, the undefeated team in 72 just set us such a high standard for right. everybody for the Miami Dolphin franchise. So uh, to me, that's, you know, that's the time when it all started. I think during my years, it was very high also that we were always winning. And I think we're, you know, I would like to think that we're getting back to that, which I think we are. Uh, last thing on the Dolphins, just off of Sunday, off of the of the offense and, and the you know the blitzing on on at the end of the game and, and just how efficient everything looked. What are your expectations for this team? Um, it's really you know it's the team's expectations. You know I I I'm not going to stand here and tell you what my expectations are, but <laughs> I, I you know I'd love for see them to go well into the playoffs and have a chance to do something special because you know, that's what everybody works for. You know, they work so hard, all the players around the league, all everybody works so hard to be in that position mm -hmm. to get an opportunity to win a championship. And and it's not expectations. It's just opportunity. That's what I would say. The opportunity, you know, hopefully is there for, you know, the Dolphins. When you watch quarterbacks around the league now, um, and the playing style has changed, but is there a quarterback who most reminds you of yourself? Is there a guy where you say, okay, that's if I, if, if, if I were to say, this is my, my spiritual error, it's it, error. It's this guy. Um, well, you know, <clears throat> it's a shame last night. I always compared, you know, a little bit like Aaron Rodgers, his yeah. ability to throw the ball, you know, do the back shoulders, you know, the quick release, all that. And it's a shame what happened to him last night feel bad for him. It happened to me. Yeah. It's, it's a tough situation. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, he's a it's a tough situation. But, you know, that's the guy I would kind of compare when I played to uh, how his, you know, his ability to throw the ball. Um, and it just – it's it, it's tough. You know, I went through that Achilles thing. You never know when it's going to happen. It's it's a rare injury, but when it happens, it's devastating. And he worked so hard in this offseason and all the things he was doing to get ready to – you know, to continue his career somewhere else. And, you know, you feel bad for him. You were in your early 30s when that happened. He's obviously a little bit older. But uh, take me through the process of getting back to playing quarterback and what playing quarterback uh, looks like when, after you've had that injury, especially for those first couple of years. So I think, uh, you know, medically now they're probably a little more advanced uh, yes. as far as dealing with, you know, Achilles and how to deal with it, how to rehab it. It's a very tedious rehab from what I remember, um, it didn't actually heal all the way. It was elongated. So I had to deal with not being able to get up on my toe uh, for 
the rest of my career, basically. Uh, that's why I used to wear that boot you saw, and a lot of people see it in pictures, but uh, that helped me kind of move. Um, but I was able to deal with it. What you do, you just adjust. You adjust to your body, adjust to the situation. Uh, you adapt to it. And I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, Aaron Rodgers, if he still wants to play, will be able to deal with that. Yeah, it's uh... – it's just such a depressing injury for Jets fans. I know, I know you're a Dolphins guy and all that stuff, but just the air coming out of the stadium and how much expectations there were. I mean, I don't remember uh, uh, a, a deflation like that um, in in my whatever it is, 25 years of watching football. It was uh, it was wild. Um, I want to go like big picture here because I was doing some napkin math, and your 84 season if you were to just if if you were to do w- what that was in relation to the average team now you'd have almost 6000 yards um and you would have broken the record that that currently stands i think is still held by Peyton by 300 or 400 yards um you were putting up incredible numbers uh when you watch modern football would you have liked to to have a couple runs against some of these defenses just because of how well you did against a completely different era of defense well uh you know, it's 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 all different, but yes, why not? I mean, the best part <laughs> about this is, I don't, I, I'm retired. I don't have to prove it. So, I <laughs> yes, we throw for six thousand yards, and the, you know, I, I will say that uh, defenses in the middle of my career and then towards the end, and they, they got a little more complex, and guys right. did a lot more things now as far as blitzing and, and changing personnel and all that, that then, then I did earlier in my career, later in my career, I had to deal with it, but so it, it would have been, it would be a lot of fun. I wish I could. So that's why we're trying to unretire here. And that's, that's right. Do the commercial. So I can come back and throw for 6,000 yards. And if I had a chance to throw with Jerry and Randy and have Emmett Smith, I'm sure I'd do it. Yeah. I Tyree kill too. Um, but Tyree uh, too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Bottle, um, yeah, we, for sure. <laughs> with defenses, like what what specifically do you think changed? What was the impetus? Was it just more defensive coordinators getting smarter? Was it um was it just defenses? Was it you know people just looking at the influence of Pittsburgh or whoever it was? Like what what changed with defenses midway through your career? Well, that's it. I mean, I, I think back about you know doing like the zone fire blitzes, all those yeah. things that are going on now. You know, a guy Dick LeBeau, you know, he's in the yep. Hall of Fame. Dick LeBeau is a famous player and also a you know defensive coordinator. I think if I remember correctly, he was the first one that started to introduce a lot of that stuff and, and, you know, the, the mugging and getting 11 guys on the line of scrimmage. And, and, and a lot of guys did that. They didn't do it as much as, you know, the Steelers did. So that's when it started to kind of change and they're still doing it today. And, uh, and it's the substitution, you know, the different personnels. I mean, all that, uh, when I first came in, there was, it was pretty standard what you were doing. Everybody was to change a little bit, but not that much. Now it's changed a lot more. So you have to, as a quarterback, you have to uh, be a, a lot more disciplined in you know yeah. your protections and everything that you do. Is there a rule change that that you think opened up things for for modern quarterbacks now that you kind of wish you had a couple of years ago? Well, I think the fact, and and I agree with it. It's you know it should be that is that you can't hit you know the quarterback the way you used to. You can't get a shot in the head. You can't go under your knees and. And uh, that's a good thing, I think, you know, because when I played, you were allowed to do that and players could take shots at you. Uh, So that and then the fact that, you know, as far as down the field, you know, the PIs and things that that they'll get more calls now because they're, you know, they're not, you know, they used to be able to touch you down the field 
even up to five yards, even though that was the rule, they were more physical. And there's a lot of guys that would could tell you that same thing that that it changed in that way. There's a video uh, that has now gone fa- viral over the past couple of years because Mahomes does behind the back passes in practice, but it's a view throwing a dart behind the back uh, in warmups in uh, I, I assume the mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, yep. Why uh, why did you never try that in a game, Dan? It never came up. You know, it's one of those things that I practice it for fun. You know, right. you never want to throw, you know, you never wanted to throw behind your back unless you had to, which it never really came up. I don't know if, you know, if, uh, if Mahomes has done it in a game or not, maybe just not really. no. practice. Yeah. 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 And it's not what you want to do, but um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's something that I uh, just got to have fun with in practice and with the players and pregame and all those kind of things. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was the Mark Clayton. It was something. And it was actually in Buffalo. We were doing that oh. for uh, pregame. Yeah. Would you like to see Mahomes try it in a game? Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. As long as it's complete. <laughs> <laughs> so we do something called badasses, which is uh, and and we do different versions of it. Could be uh, best player you ever played with, or or, or most badass player, toughest, whatever. Um, but I want to I want to flip this because you played against so many great players and so many defensive ends and and pass rushers and cornerbacks guys who would make plays and and I want to give you the floor give me the most badass guy you played against and why I'm talking toughness I'm talking making a play where you never thought you could like give me the badass in your book well I mean uh if you think about it playing Bruce Smith yep uh for you know, twice a year, sometimes three in the playoffs for 15 years or so straight. Uh, he was always a problem, you know, and we had to, we had to really account for him. And I still th- I think he's the sack leader, right? In the history. Yeah. He's sack up leader. there. Straight yeah. He's definitely up there. I think he is the sack leader, but uh, that, you know, dealing with him, uh, he was a badass for sure because uh, the way he played, the style, you know, Buffalo football and just knowing, that I had to face him and our team had to face him and what they did in Buffalo for, you know, twice a year for 15 years was, was a lot. Was there healthy respect between you two guys or were you, you guys up in each other's faces during the game? Oh, no, no. I never got in anybody's face unless, you know, someone was talking too much, but no, <laughs> it was always, always a uh, healthy respect with Bruce. And, you know, he's uh he's a true professional and always was and, and just an incredible, great player. Love it. Dan Marino, tell us uh, t- any, anything more about uh, your, your partnership with Frito-Lay and PepsiCo. Well, first of all, it, I started that way back when Montana and I did that after the Super Bowl. We did a commercial together uh, for Pepsi, and uh, I've done some things over the years for them. Always enjoyed working with them. And then the commercial I thought was funny. It was uh, enjoyable to do, uh, to be around those guys, Randy, Emmett, you know, and uh, Jerry was was a lot of fun. Um, and I eat, my favorite snack is, uh, is Fritos. And, and, and that's true. Cause I, my, my, uh, grandkids and I, we eat it a lot together when we're <laughs> watching cartoons. <laughs> awesome, man. Dan Marino. Thank you so much for coming on. This is, Thanks, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Have a awesome, great man. day. Peace. Take it easy.